Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing an article from the July issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Annual Forages Planted in Middle to Late Summer Can Be Excellent Fall Feed. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Dr. Jerry Valeski, who's an Extension Range and Forest Specialist based at the West Central Research and Extension Center. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Valeski. Thank you, Aaron. Dr. Valeski, when we look at the precip for the last 90 days, for parts of Nebraska, it's been well below normal. In fact, I was looking this morning, uh, many parts of the state, we're only registering somewhere between 50 to 70 percent of long-term average precip for the months of April, May, and June. And uh, this kind of situation set us up, I think, where we're going to see some forage challenges as we move through the rest of this summer. As we look at some of these forages that were planted maybe like triticale or rye on dry land, yields have been somewhat disappointing this spring. And then I've had some conversations with producers whose first cutting of alfalfa has been significantly less as well, especially for those harvesting from dry land. So I think this kind of sets us up with a scenario where folks might be looking for some different options and alternatives to try to harvest some additional forage as we look to the rest of this summer and into this fall. In this article, we work through some different options that are available, and there's still some time now as we're sitting here in early July to either plant a summer annual or even a spring annual and get some good forage production potentially as we look through the rest of the summer into the fall. Give some perspective on what these two different forage options might present to us as we think about spring annuals and summer annuals, and also some things we might want to think about in terms of utilizing those. Sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right in, in terms of what our uh, spring precipitation has been, the uh, areas in southwest Nebraska, south central, uh, western and northwest, and even the northeast have been uh, considerably low average with their spring precipitation. As you mentioned, the uh, spring annuals like the winter wheat or, wheat or triticale that sometimes is cut for hay was reduced yields. And also I noticed this spring, uh, people that uh, plant a lot of spring oats and harvest that for hay, the yields were considerably down. And so here we are in, in midsummer, and so we can think about some other possibilities for um, annual forages to kind of uh, bolster or shore up our potential hay supply. And where wheat harvest is approaching here fairly soon in the next couple of weeks, um, some people might, particularly if it's irrigated wheat, might consider planting something under that pivot after the wheat is harvested off. Now, even though it be maybe mid or late July, the summer or warm season annuals can still work in that situation as well. So that would include things like the foxtail millet, sorghum sedan grass hybrids, straightforward sorghum. And we've seen in from some previous research that planting those even in, in late July or early August, we can get some pretty respectable yields by, by mid-September, up in the neighborhood of uh, four tons per acre. So that can certainly be an option for, for some people. Now, again, also the other choice of things could be some of the spring typically spring-planted annuals, and that primarily comes uh, in the category of, of, of oats. So uh, again, planting oats in late uh, July, early August, uh, we're, we're thinking about forage for the fall. In, in many of those cases, though, with things like uh, the, the oats, uh, we often see that grazed in the fall. And rather than just a uh, straight oats, a lot of times people might 
include some turnips or other brassica in there as part of that mixture for the fall forage. Dr. Valeski, what's kind of the tipping point as we think about maybe whether we want to utilize one of these uh, warm season or summer annuals versus going with uh, what we think about more of a spring crop like a oats or a spring triticale or barley? Is there a date? Is there a time when we need to probably think about maybe shifting from one to the other in terms of growing season and what we might be able to get out of that? Right. I think when you get to, uh, in, in the cases of the, the warm season annuals, the sorghum sedans, millets, those types of things, once you are into the first week of August, uh, it may be wiser to be considering some of the cool season because they're, for a warm season annual and you are in the first part of August, uh, the, the, uh, the growing degree days that are going to be accumulated for the rest of the season just may not be enough to provide or produce a, an adequate crop. But certainly um, mid-August, even with a cool season annual, um, and sometimes in some cases people will, will even be a bit later towards the end of August and put in some things like oats and, and some of the brassicas and still get a fairly respectable crop or yield from that. Once you reach September, though, um, in, in most of Nebraska, that uh, is a little, little too late in terms of um, a date where you can accumulate um, substantial forage for the fall. And, and certainly when we're talking September, going to one of the winter annuals is probably your best option. And, and in that case, you're thinking about mostly next spring in terms of the forage that that winter annual will produce. Dr. Valeski, you mentioned some winter annuals there, and you've actually done some work there at the West Central Research Center looking at planting a combination of spring annuals and winter annuals in kind of that late summer time period and have seen some pretty interesting data in terms of yields. Give some perspective on that. Sure, that's right. Um, and so what we were looking in that work there were um, mixing things like uh, a 50% of a portion of oats and 50% of triticale. And then the objective of that is to have a situation where you have more uh, forage in the fall from the oats, okay, because we know it grows quite rapidly when planted in August. But then also having the triticale or rye in there, that's going to produce a little bit in the fall, but but not not a whole lot. But the primary thing is then we know that the oats will die out over the winter months, but the rye or triticale will maintain itself and then uh, produce forage in the spring. So it's a one planting operation and you're getting both fall and the following spring forage produced. Now, when we're doing that though, you really, you can't get something for nothing. You know, we did our trial where we did um, half of the seeding rate, recommended seeding rate, in something like oats and then the other half in in the rye or triticale. So um, the, the the thickness of the stand is pretty good looking in the fall but then the following spring the the rye or triticale is a little bit thinner of course as you would expect being seeded at half rate the previous fall but still produces considerable forage. Dr. Valeski give some perspective on windrow grazing. Why is windrow grazing in the fall and winter a workable situation if we leave the windrow in the field where if we were to do that this time of year, we'd just have a lot of deterioration unless of course we have dry conditions like we have right now. But 
give some perspective on what producers might expect if they're thinking about utilizing windrow grazing and and then what are some advantages to that over over bailing up the crop well uh, with the windrow grazing and and that's typically done um, again with a late summer cutting of that forage or whatever forage that you might have planted and um, and in fact in some research we did quite a number of years ago we did this uh, windrow grazing with some meadow hay that was cut in late summer late summer first uh, of September time period and and grazed it through the fall and winter in winter months and we found that the the integrity of the windrows and the quality of the feed in those windrows uh, maintained itself very well comparable to what uh, we would see if that forage had been bailed up and so any of those annual forages uh, can work well um, cut at that time of the year, late summer, early fall, and then directly graze those windrows later on. Uh, some benefits, of course, is that, well, you first of all, you have saving the expense of, of running the baler across the field and, and hauling that hay off. Um, when those animals are directly grazing the windrows, their manure and such is recycled directly back onto that field rather than on some feed ground where or wherever the that hay might have had been fed. I think another advantage in my mind also of windrow grazing is, you know, if we're looking at that versus direct grazing, we really can increase harvest efficiency, a lot of more grazing days per acre. And so I think there's some advantage there as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And when we're talking harvest efficiency, we're talking about the amount of that forage that actually gets consumed by the cattle. And so sometimes you may have heard the term of stockpile grazing when, and that can be applied in a situation where, say for example, we did grow some sorghum sedan grass uh, planted mid, mid late summer, and it may have gotten up to uh, four to five feet tall and we left it there stockpiling it for winter standing and one of the things that we see there, of course, and then when you're grazing that directly like that, you do see a lot of waste, a lot of trampling, and the harvest efficiency is much lower compared to a situation where you could have uh, put it in windrows and then directly grazed and allocated those windrows uh, through the winter months. One other thing we probably should mention about these annual forages, if we're thinking about putting them up for hay or direct grazing, there's two potential risks, nitrate poisoning, and then on our, our summer annuals, in particular our sedans, would be prussic acid. Just briefly address some of the risks that are associated with those two things, and, and what are some things producers might want to be thinking through to mitigate some risk? Sure. Um, the first of those, of course, being the nitrates, which uh, we can really see uh, occur in in a lot of different forages, particularly annual forages, whether they're cool season or the warm season summer annuals. But uh, with the nitrates, some key triggers for that are uh, stress of drought, okay? And so, you know, if maybe we're in an area where we're gonna be trying some of this dry land in a dry land field, and, um, and then we, we do get it growing, and then that particular location in the state or whatever becomes, um, get some long dry spells, those plants will become stressed and have the potential to accumulate nitrates. Another factor that often leads to high nitrates in the forages is an excessive amount of 
nitrogen in the soil. Oftentimes, you know, we recommend in terms of when we're planting uh, an annual forage, typically somewhere in the neighborhood of anywhere from 40 to, to up to 70 pounds of, of nitrogen fertilizer applied if that particular field and soil needs it. And as we get a bit later into the summer, for example, with a warm season annual, we might uh, back off on that or be on the low end of that nitrogen fertility rate because we know we are going to have a, a shorter growing period for that stand of forage. Then the other thing too, uh, you mentioned was the prussic acid potential. Uh, we do see some of that sometimes in some of the uh, uh, sorghum, uh, sedan grass, hybrids, the, the, the forage sorghums. And most often we'll see the prussic acid problem occurring on some of the regrowth of those particular species, the, the smaller young shoots. And um, one of the things about prussic acid, after it has there has been a killing frost, those fields or those forages are generally safe because what the frost does, it, it kills the plants and it breaks the cell walls of those, those plants and the, the compounds that would form prussic acid are released. But when it comes to nitrates, uh, uh, they can be there whether that forage is green or has frozen down. So one other thing I just quickly mentioned on the prussic acid, actually at the time of frost could be a high risk as well because the plant, the cell walls are being burst. And so usually we recommend if you're planning to utilize something that could be high in prussic acid right around the time of a hard freeze to wait at least a week after that hard freeze and that plant starts to dry down before turning out on that. That's right. That's a, a good way to ensure that you're going to be safe from the prussic acid. Dr. Valeski, anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic as we point towards wrapping this up? I think that pretty well covers it. Again, uh, there's some uh, opportunities with these annual forages that uh, people should could certainly consider, you know, particularly if our pasture and, and forage supply conditions uh, and continue to be impacted by this dry weather. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Valeski. All right. You're welcome. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Wash podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. I also would mention at the Beef website, there's a number of resources on this topic, including NEB guides, and some extension circulars, and also videos that Dr. Valeski has put together.